0: And welcome to The Self Project Podcast. This show is all about helping you along on your own personal growth journey. My hopes are that you're able to come here to this space and find and take away what you need for the day. I'm your host, Christy Martin, and I'm here to help you for those times when your life and parenting challenges just feel really overwhelming and you're feeling really alone. As a mom to five boys, There's been so many times in my parenting journey where I felt overwhelmed, unprepared, unsupported, and I was just so unsure of how to navigate some of the more difficult behaviors that my kids were having and how to handle my own emotions and then be able to hold space for their really big and sometimes explosive emotions. And then I had to learn how to incorporate my own self-care because that is so imperative to making sure that everything else is able to happen and it can feel like a lot sometimes and that's why i'm really excited to be able to have a program for you it's one that i wish that i had when i was earlier on in my parenting journey and it's one that i can coach you through transforming your relationship with yourself your child and just your whole entire family they grow up so quick and it can often feel like we're growing up right alongside of them so don't spend time wishing that you had done things differently or wishing that you had had more support in your journey you can scroll down and schedule your free call to connect with me today so we can chat more about where you're at and where you want to go with your life and your parenting journey so I just want to thank you for being here today, and I'm so excited for you to be able to hear from our latest guests. So let's go ahead and just dive right in. Welcome back to the show today, and I am really excited today to be able to bring on uh, Charlie Peck. And Charlie, she uses her uh, background as an educator, a therapist, and a parent to help other women and uh, parents in general who are just burned out from parenting, especially if they have teens. And I told her this is perfect because I have five boys myself. So I've got all well on their way to teens. I have a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, then they're 11, 10, and 9. So I told her this is just Absolutely the perfect topic. Um, And then I I would really love, Charlie, before we kind of jump in and start talking, do you mind actually just just sharing more about yourself with us? Who are you? Um, Tell us a little bit about your, do you have teens yourself? And um, what kind of made you want to work with parents in this area and especially focused on teens?
1: Absolutely. Yes. So hi Charlie. And um yeah, and by the way, I love when you pronounce my name right. And it's okay if not, but it's important. I have three boys too, Christy, and I have a 17, almost 18 year old boy, a 10 and an eight year old. And so right, so I've I've been there from the beginning and I get to try again as I keep going and pushing my my kind of mid-age teen to his adult years, but I I think a lot of people would argue that, you know, an 18-year-old is still not really an adult, not all the way. They're transitioning, right? So the work that I do is a, it started in education and as a parent. And let me tell you how much guilt and strain and pain there is around parenting, right? And so as an educator, my curriculum allows me to teach about parenting as part of my curriculum. I love it and about adolescent growth and development. And so about 11 years ago, actually a little longer than that, PBS came out with the inside the teenage brain video and helped us understand new emerging data on the teen brains. I'm like, great, I'll pull it into my curriculum. And ever since then, I've been teaching teens about their own brain. And then as a parent, as an educator too, I share that information with parents and educators, because guess what? it really influences who they are, their risk-taking behavior, their this kind of stress they experience and how they perceive the world and try to communicate with us adults in it. Um, so there, there's a lot of constraints for them. So I'm there to support them, but also the adults because we are so strained. And so that's where I'm coming from.
0: Oh, incredible. I have so many questions, but I'm gonna dive into that in a minute. Um, I love how you said, like, I get to try again. So I I don't know if this is the same for you, but I've noticed between my oldest and my youngest, uh, you know, my parenting style has changed. The battles that I choose to, you know, fight has changed. And I've heard so many times my oldest, you know, with my youngest, that's so unfair. You let him get away with that, but you didn't when I was little. And I'm like, yeah, I've, you know, (laughs) <laughs> I've, I've grown up now. I know how to choose my battles. Um, so I, I feel too, but, you know, as we kind of figure it out, yeah, the first one, I, I like to tell them you're my experiment. So <laughs> I found that doesn't really work. And that's not as big of a deal to me anymore. So I don't know if you kind of run into that, too, seeing that with a lot of the, the moms that you might work with that the parenting changes from the oldest to the youngest. <laughs>
1: It does. And let's hope so, right? Let's hope that happens because we're supposed to grow and change and get better at what we do. I mean, hopefully as you get older, you're still going to make mistakes, but the idea is that we learn from those mistakes and then we have, you know, that insight and that reflection. And yeah, now, and when I say about like getting better at it, I mean, it doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes because we are, because each, you know, you have five kids, they're all different. They're different. And the argument there, and I don't know how you feel about this, Christy, but the argument is either you parent them, them the same, or you parent them differently. And I'm always in the camp of, you have to parent them based on what the need is of that particular kid. And yeah, you, I mean, you can speak to that. You get it.
0: I know it's a huge debate actually. You know, it really is. And, um, I, you know, and I see where we can have a blend of both because I think that that's absolutely correct. We have to parent to the kid because they are so different. My youngest, who has ADHD, you know, there's no way that I could parent him with the same things that I can, you know, with my oldest. There's no way that I can give him some of the same freedoms that I give the other kids, you know, there's you know, um, or sometimes he's a little bit more lax on the amount of times that he gets to get away with something, you know, versus somebody else. So just, yeah, the different strategies that we use, or even, um, I got caught up in this a lot when they were little and until I, um, kind of learned better and educated myself more, but, and keeping things fair, that was a really big thing for me. Like, um, one person needed new shoes. Well, everybody was going to get new shoes because it wasn't fair, you know, and I uh, read something later on about somebody who's like, it's not about fair, it's about who needs something, like who's in need of new shoes, like your shoes are still kind of fine, kind of using this as an example, but like, who's in need of something right now. And so that was such kind of almost a really liberating thing for me as well of, you um, giving me the permission to give each child what they needed. And it didn't always have to be the same thing. So that's just a real tangible kind of um explanation, but even with like um kind of maybe attention and the time and the one-on-one time that we're doing, um, you know, it can look different with each kid too, depending on what we need at that time. So one time we might be going to have like ice cream and a movie and the other child that might be staying home and we're working on a project. And so you know, we, I had to get myself out of that trap of like keeping things fair, you know, across the board.
1: Well, it's like in society, I mean, we've got equality versus equity and equity has that lens, right. Of, well, what you need is what we can provide you, but not everybody needs the same thing. And that's how we function well in a, in an inclusive environment. So it's really difficult though, because there's, again, it goes back to that guilt. I'm telling you, you know, and parents listening, you get that. And that's what I, that is my goal is at first it was, I created this course about, I called it taming teen anxiety. And it really was about the teens who are very anxious and overwhelmed. What, What happens is those are behaviors that then emerge in the household or at school. I have both lens. So I see that. And then I see it in a clinical setting. And so what happens is it's about the needs of the parent and the caregiver at that point, because if we can't show up for them the way they need us to, or in a a full tank, or some people would equate that to a full cup or sorry, an emptier cup, because when it's full, man, you're overflowing. You don't want that. That's ultimately what we need to do. So I changed even the, the, the messaging behind that to say, look, this is about supporting parents So that they can then support their anxious and overwhelmed teens. And doesn't that just make more sense as a parent?
0: Oh, my God, that's so good. Uh, I I came to learn that in my own personal experiment. You know, I, I found why can't I change their behavior? Why can't I this? And it came down to when I started making those changes with myself. And it's been this way with anything when I wanted to start a more healthy journey and eating healthy and working out. And I would get up at five in the morning and my husband would still be snoring in bed and I'd be annoyed because, you know, why isn't he getting up and working out with me? Why does he still get to sleep? That whole thing. But after a month, he got to the point where he watched me and he's like, I think I want to get up and do it with you. So it's a perfect example of if you want to make changes in your household, if you're dealing again with um, behavioral issues is a big thing that I talk about a lot of time with um, you know, on my platform. If you want to deal with that or fostering more connection or communication with your kids, start right here. Start with making sure that you're, you know, taking care of yourself, that you're Fulfilled that you do what you have to do because there's some mornings where, um, you know, we hit the floor running. And if I haven't taken those few more moments to pour into myself and care for myself, whether it's sitting for 10 minutes and drinking a cup of tea at like nobody bothering me or it's a workout or whatever it is, I haven't had that time, um, you know, when everybody wakes up and things get moving. The day can go a lot different depending on how I've prepared myself. So, I just think that um, that's just the most important message. Yeah, and other times when I'm like, God, I want my husband to work on him. My poor husband, I pick on him a lot. I want him to work on his self growth and this and that. And and I have to remind myself, then work on you, work on you, and show them the changes. And it trickles down. It's so it's so unbelievable. And it's cliche because we hear that if you want to make changes, change yourself first, there's all the quotes, but it's true.
1: (laughs) Well, it's more effective, right? I mean, the outcomes are less frustrating because you're the one who controls you. You can't, no matter what you can't control, especially your team. Now, listen, and I said this to somebody else. I said this to my kid, actually um, my eight year old. And, and I said, you know, ultimately, you're in charge of your behavior. And he's like, well, you control me. Mom, I'm like, you know, I really don't. You're really doing the choices here. It's whether or not you want a easier, happier, like more freedom kind of life or not based on those choices. And that that trickles down. And the reason I say this, Christy, is to give parents a break. I mean, the responsibility we feel to make these kids be a certain way, a lot of that is because we just don't want the judgment from other parents. I was sitting at the playground yesterday with my two little ones, my eight and 10 year old. And I, I was like, what I want to just get up and say to these other parents who you could tell that they would like, look at what their kid was doing. who was exploring a little bit away from them or doing something that another kid could give some social pressure to say, change that up. They ran right over. And I remember that. And I don't do that anymore. Um, depending on what it is, but usually not at all, because, There's something about like the social pressure of other kids or letting them explore without the constraints. You know, they're safe because you've been there. And that's the beauty of hindsight, Christy, and maturity and letting go of some of that fear. But a lot of that fear for parents is the fear of judgment because it does exist. And it's a tremendous strain in that whole shame that Brene Brown did all her research on. It's there. It exists. So we have to at least address that. But I will say the other thing, too, that we've just kind of talked about is um, letting our kids do more in order to take some of that off of us. Because, again, when we have that strain or we have that guilt, we feel like that we have to do things for our kids in order for them to feel important. And I have taken the opposite approach. And I know I've learned this and it's to my oldest son's detriment. I should have what I should have done, which I don't sit in, by the way, uh, I've learned and I'm changing it up for my younger ones. I should have made him do much more because he was capable of much more which alleviated a lot for me so for example we're doing online schooling i live right now i live in the niagara region of ontario canada and we've been in lockdown we've been in lockdown for a long time and then we went back and back and forth and we've still been in lockdown there's no way i can do my stuff and patrol them so for the one thing that i can do is say look for breakfast don't say what's for breakfast mom. You go get your own. You're 8 and you're 10. You can get a bowl, you can get cereal, you can get milk. Go do it yourself. Don't even ask me. Because they can. Well, it just and it alleviates that extra step for me. Right?
0: Oh my god, I love that because I did that with my boys in lockdown too. It was getting to the point where we were just all day long and i snack this, can you help me this? And I'm, and finally I'm like, "Hey, look guys, you guys are old enough to get the stuff, especially like you said, cereal, like I'm not asking you to use the oven and the stove, not the younger ones, the older ones can, but um, and and, like, you can get your breakfast, like you don't have to come hunt me down. And then you have to wait for me to finish up emails or calls like you guys can do this. And they get he gets so mad. Oh, I can't do it. But I'm like, I'm empowered. You don't love me. No, I'm empowering you to do this yourself because you are capable of doing it. But it's it's been this whole thing. But I told them, that's how you can help me. You want your food like that. And that's how you can help me right now is by taking care of your own needs. <laughs> and I'm empowering you. Absolutely.
1: It's just, it's huge. That's how you can help me. And then it, it makes me less frustrated with you.
0: Oh my gosh! Yes, it's just kids are so funny though. But yeah, every time they fight, you don't love me. I'm like, no, I really do love you because I'm empowering you to do it. I'm showing you how to do it. Oh, oh! So kids, kids are great. But I, I would love to wrap back around. So inside of the teenage brain. Um, so let's kind of talk about that. So you know, we know um, developmentally that kids growing up, go through all these different stages, there's a lot of different development that's going on, you know, in this first part of their life. So what are some of the things that you think that you teach about the teenage brain that are, you think are really important for people to know, like how it functions different and um, things like that?
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people are familiar with that whole, the, the teen brain doesn't finish developing until the age of about 25. We learned it's the mid twenties. I think most people understand that now. And so that's why I always say to parents, look, there's this part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex, which again, most people know this now because we're educating ourselves, which is awesome. Good job. We should be doing this because when we understand it, we can be way more forgiving of ourselves and them and realize this stuff is very brain-based, very brain-based. And so it's a natural response. Okay. So that prefrontal cortex is that part of the brain with planning, um, problem solving, decision making. And what happens in the teen brain and everybody's brain is the limbic system, which regulates the emotional response. We have to kind of like the external fact of like environment and even our internal thoughts. We react emotionally because that is the more developed part of our brain. And so what we need to foster in our teens is that prefrontal cortex to then link back to that emotional part of our brain to Communicate more. Now, there's a lot more to that, and there's a lot more complex processes in there, but we got to understand that we're the adult with the developed prefrontal cortex, so we have to be the leaders. And not everybody is able to regulate well. It depends on trauma in your life, um, st- the level of stress, genetics. There's a lot of influences there. But the good news is, is as a teacher, this is why I tell my parents and the teens, by the way, let's help them. Let's Let's be cautious of our expectations and let's think of, OK, let's meet our team where they are right now and what are they capable of. And if you've never asked them to write an essay or they really never were produced a good essay before, they're going to lack skills there. Just like if you expect them to go empty the dishwasher and they've never done it, they're going to fight it because they're uncomfortable. And so they, their brain is telling them to test everything, be independent, um, test everybody and develop skills, but when it's comfortable. And when it's comfortable, what's the first thing to do? Well, they want to just shut down. I don't want to do that. I want to avoid because it's easier and it's more comfortable. So because we understand that teen brain, what we need to do is help foster those prefrontal cortex processes, those skills, or skills of problem solving. We don't do it for them. We do it with them. And that's the key. So as long as we can stay connected with our team, they will allow us into their space. We have to be very resilient. So I always go back to the parent, because they're going to test you, and they're going to fight you, and they're going to avoid, and they're going to have conflict when it's uncomfortable for them. That is normal, and they're going to test it. So they're going to need your help, but they're not going to really want to say that they need you, because they're, everything in their brain is telling you, fight it. I'm, I want to need to be independent, but they're not capable all the way yet in some areas. So one of the most important things I can tell parents, and this for me personally was a major shift, was a major shift in how I, I show up to the world, I'm much happier, is I've learned to be uncomfortable in my own discomfort, no, be comfortable in my own discomfort, and I've learned to teach my teen that when you feel uncomfortable and you're showing those emotions to me, I need to let that be okay because if it scares me off and I'm trying to fix that person. um, I, I did this with my teens at school too. If I'm trying to fix them and I'm not like letting them cry or kind of throw their little hissy fit when they need to, that is an expression of their nervous system, which stems from the brain. And I need to allow that space for them so that they feel okay to do that. The problem becomes with parents, let's be careful here, is when those big emotions get scary, threatening, abusive, Um, out of control where they're not able to come back and normalize it, that's when those problems occur. And if we've set up those patterns with our teens, which many of us did, I did, uh, many many of us did, I say did because we can change those right now. We can start the process of change. So that's a long answer, but you can see that a lot of this really stems back from understanding that teen brain and how that functions and then how we decide to show up to, to help them.
0: Ah, oh, so good. There's so many different ways that I could, could take that. Like you said, um, there is, there's so much to unpack there, but I, I love your explanation of that because um, yeah, it, it, like you said, they're not done developing until the age of 25. And that was a huge realization for me when I heard that too, because uh, I started having my children very young. I was 21 when my oldest was born. And I thought that that was like really good because, you know, he, my mom had had me really young and my grandma had her really young. So I'm like, I made it like four more years than everybody. I'm doing really great. And I look back on it now and I'm like, gosh, Christy, you were still really young too. Because I often tell my husband, I'm like, sometimes I feel like I've grown up with my oldest. So, and, and it makes sense because in a way I have, you know, I've adapted and grown up with him too. And the way that I could respond this is this comes back to like you say the linking of like the prefrontal cortex to the emotional part of the brain. Whenever to respond to again their big emotions when they were younger is a lot different than the way I'm able to respond now, um, and the emotional awareness and skills that you know I had then or zilch versus to what I have now, and that I try to teach them. Um, so I, I think that that's incredibly huge to know, and I love the fact too that like. Uh, they still need us. I, I had again this idea in my head of like I have to do all these things with my child before he turns eighteen and he leaves the house and i have no more influence over him and he doesn't need me anymore. And it's like I'm like, I don't know how old I am? I'm 37, and I'm like, I still need to call my mom sometimes and be like, Mom, this is going on. I need help or you know, I need some advice. So um, I think that uh, that that's just kind of. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for—a false perception that's out there. But you know, we only have influence over them for so much amount of time. Of course, the most important influence that we have over them is in those early years. But they never stop needing us, and so um, I love how much co- can we do now to develop these relationships, to show them that we're there for them, to show them that it's okay to make mistakes, hold space for their feelings. Um, this will continue fostering connection as they grow, because. Uh, oh, I mean, and we all know as adults ourselves that it's, it's a roller coaster. Our uh, issues and problems and the challenges that we deal with and the support that we need doesn't end at, as we move from, you know, adolescence into adulthood. I can see that for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. But we also have to be cautious because we need them to also foster that independence. We need them to know that we are there for them. But as they get older, developmentally, it's important that they feel like it's okay to, to take some risks that are safe risks, but some, some risks in their lives that are calculated so that they can grow and mature and learn about life, not just from the perspective of us. It's from, you know, they need to step out there a little bit and not need us in certain ways. Like if you're, and trust me, like I'm telling you, I'm still learning. Um, but if, you're, if your kids still need you to make, you know, quesadillas all the time, where all you have to do is put two like soft shells together with cheese and throw it in the microwave till they're 18, that's not okay. They should be able to do those things on their own. When it comes to the deeper issues, as long as you have that connection, that's what's important. And I will say, I speak with parents about this all the time, that there's that fine time where um, there's all you, all you've done is you feel like everything you've done and there's still conflict. And again, that's that team brain that is pushing you. It's pushing against you, but they actually do need some of that love and that support, of course, but they are pushing against you. And so you have to put boundaries in place. You have to put boundaries and say, look, this is not going to be tolerated. This is what you need to do in order to be able to show up with me and have this conversation because it's not fair, especially if you have other kids in the home, you have to be very careful about that. There's other needs there too. So I think we have to be really careful about how much we're
0: responsible for. Right. It's such a juggling act. <laughs> it is. It is. It's hard. It's, it is. It is. But, you know, I, I like to, it's trial and error. And um, I feel like a lot of it, too, is finding what works for you. Because I know so often in the past, I, you know, and I was having a, a trouble with something or something that I, you know, wanted to build my communication with my kids or struggling with behavior problems or different things like that. I always took to see what a guy could go learn. What books can I buy? What people can I follow? What, um, you know, tips can I learn like that? And so even though there's a lot of really great advice out there, because um, I obviously wouldn't have developed a lot of the strategies I have without, you know, pulling all of that together, but it's also about tweaking it to what works for you and your family. And, you know, yeah not um, not subscribing to something fully, wholeheartedly, well, this doesn't work for me, um, like tweak it, like um, not everything's going to work for everybody and um, you don't have to do things the way that everybody else is. So uh, I like to just be mindful of that as well because that's something that always really catches me. Again, this is going back to like that comparison and comparison and being worried about judgment. So when we're at the park, I'm the one with the wild kids who climbing to the top of the (laughs) jungle jam and jumping off the top. And I'm like. Yeah, stop jumping and then and I've noticed this um I was also so before COVID pre-COVID I was on the PTA so we would have meetings every once in a while and my kids would have to stay there at the school with me and it was always really stressful because they would run through the hallways and then I would like look through the window and they're like throwing a football in the hallways and it's bouncing off the windows and I'm just like <sighs> Oh my God, my kids are going to break the school windows. Or a teacher would come to me and be like, they're squabbling, like they're fighting in the hallway. Or, you know, and I'm just like, oh my God, why can't my kids behave and get along? And what is everybody thinking? And like, my husband works for the school district and what are they going to think about him? And so I would get so caught up in that, not realizing like they're just being kids, (laughs) like they're just exploring. and, And it would, cause for such tense like car rides home and we get in the car and I'd be like why can't you guys get along and behave in the lectures and it was just like and then nobody wanted to be there um and I caught myself we've done all this work during COVID and really kind of deconditioning myself from all those expectations of society and then I caught myself in a position again with a friend at the park and my kids were like going crazy and I felt that pressure again where I'm like stop doing that don't do that like Behave, and I, and it really took me um, to take myself out for a minute and go, wait a minute, why am I starting this again? Of you know, don't behave, don't go down the slide backwards, or you know, don't run up, at, like stop being a kid and exploring things and testing your limits and pushing the boundaries, and like you're making me look bad. And it was kind of a big wake up call for me. Like, whoa, um, our society. Or, or, you know, in ourselves, we've taken all this pressure just from society and our own upbringing and the way that we're told that children should be, you know, seen and not heard and they should be well behaved and reflected on us. And I had to dissect all of that for myself and take a look at like, am I trying to make people happy and make sure everybody else around us is comfortable? Am I trying to raise boys who are independent, curious, and not afraid to go blazing trails through the playground? (laughs) full of people. So, um, I don't know. That was kind of a big wake up for me. Like, why am I so worried about everybody else judging me for the behavior of my children?
1: Right. Because it does reflect you. Right. And obviously if they're hurting somebody or threatening, I mean that of course we'd have to deal with that, but how many parents in the past, I mean, I don't remember my parents sitting around the playground watching me. It just didn't happen. And so there was a ton of those, again, that social pressure. I, I mean, my youngest loves running up the slide. And when it was my first kid, my, when it was my oldest, I was standing with him at the slide. Or if he, and I should say, and if he went up the slide, no, no, we only go down the slide. Oh my gosh. Talk about hovering. And I thought I was doing the right thing and no way, because guess what? Now I sit back, if he's running up there and another kid is bothered, they're going to tell him. I mean, I, I, there are times when you are bothering other people and you are, um, and your kid is, you know, gonna hurt somebody, of course, but a lot of those times, I just think us parents just sit around and just watch. And of course there's going to be behavior to correct. If we're just sitting there waiting for it. I don't know. I don't know. And maybe somebody would argue with me, but that's been my experience.
0: No, that's a powerful example, because it's like, we're removing the ability for our kids to need to figure out how to handle their own conflict. (laughs) Um, So I think that that's, that's a great point. Um, I, I would love to kind of touch back on too, I had wrote about, I don't know if this is something that you talk a lot about, but like staying connected to our teens, because of course I remember my own teenage years. I had wanted nothing like to do with my parents. And I've noticed my oldest is kind of like that. Now he spends a lot of time in his room talking with his friends, like he'll emerge and he'll like joke with us every once in a while. And he'll come out for food, and you know, things like that. But just, um, you know, fostering connection with them. What are some tips that you have on that or some maybe unique ways that you have of connecting with your teen.
1: Yeah, I would be careful with um, ex- our expectations of them. And if, if every chance you get, you just keep that connection by asking them what they want or trying to do something just the two of you that you enjoy. I mean, it's it, uh, what goes into my head is when I, if there's a natural, easy connection, that's easy. It's the parents that I think, I'm like, well, I'm trying, I'm trying to connect and they won't connect back with me. And I, I've been through that with my own teenage son and it, it, um, like it was grief for me. And sometimes when it comes back up, it literally feels like grief. Like I'm grieving over my child. And that does happen in parenting as they get older, because it's not, it's not what you were hoping for. And you just what, like, why, why I love them so much. What am I doing? But their perception of us is just different. And again, everything in their brain is telling them to be independent and yet they still need us. And so they're, they're constantly struggling. What we haven't addressed is if you have a a teenager who's gone back and forth or even a child who's gone back and forth to different homes and has gotten different messaging from the other parent or the other household, that that's a whole another complex situation. Sometimes there's a trauma that's gone on and, you know, your teen's not always going to tell you, or may not be able to make sense of it, um, or feel shame around something that they've done. So, connection is really tricky, but it is the number one thing that will help your teen. And so, we struggle when we can't get it, and or at least easily. And that's something, like I said, I did, but I always advise it because if you can stay connected, they will always be able to know that no matter what happens, they can come back to you. So, when I am um, not not have that genuine connection with my team because he's pushing back. Cause that happens. Um, I still say you can block me, but I'm still going to tell you that I love you. I'm going to say, um, I'm going to tell you those things. You can block me from your text If you don't want to text me, that's fine. Or if you don't want to talk with me or answer whatever, I can't control that, but I can control the message. I continue and consistently share with you that I love you no matter what. And I'm, Always gonna love you. I won't tolerate this, this, or this. That's not okay. But I love you, and that is not going to change no matter what. So, it's it's very tricky when we have big behaviors around that. Um, but the connection is huge.
0: I love that. I love how you say that. Like you, you know, you can do your connection piece, like you said that I love you. You know this. What you choose to do with that is completely your choice as well because um, I think that's an important reminder that their perception of us is different because I do think about myself, I'm like, why I'm such a great mom. Like, why, why are you always fighting back against me or we're arguing about this or, or, so that's just a really important reminder that they're and their only perception is of us as their parent. Cause sometimes I'm like, God, you should have been raised by my mom. You know, how many of us have said, hold our kids that well, you should have had, you love your grandma. You should have been raised by her. <laughs> you should have lived with her. But um, and so I, I love that idea. And and then kind of grief over the relationship you had hoped for. That's such an important, you know, point to bring up because I can get caught up in that as well. Expectations of what I thought, uh, you know, being a mom would look like, what I thought uh, my relationship with each child might look like. And then, you know, it's like you said, it doesn't always turn out that way. Um, I did really quickly want to actually talk about um, I, I, like boundaries. I love that you said, because while you were talking, I was thinking about what about those times that our kids trigger us? And it's really hard to stay calm and be like, I love you and not get pulled into like an argument or into um, just kind of get sucked into that with them. Do you have any tips for that? But I love how you said setting boundaries, like them knowing what's okay and what's tolerated and what's not. But.
1: Yes. And that's what my course ended up becoming. I'm telling you, Chrissy, that's that was the evolution of it. Like, wait a minute, wait, whoa, whoa. This isn't just about anxiety. This is about the parent dealing with those big behaviors and the triggers. And what do we do about that? And the very last lesson of my last module is self-care. Okay, so let's dissect this a little bit. We have to consider the expectations and we have to consider that that, that, that teen or that kid is not the center of the universe, but at the moment those feelings are so strong. We feel like this is the only thing that is happening in the world right now. Right. That's the, that's the emotions that we feel. And so we are clouded. We are jaded. We are triggered. So let's go back to that word triggered. Well, What the heck does that mean? That means your nervous system is responding. Okay. So we've got trauma and we've got stress. So, and then you've got like, panic attacks, you've got anxiety attacks, all of those are little different things. What we have to understand is that when we are triggered by something, it can be a smell, a sound. Um, Some people report that when they hear the sound of the car up the driveway, they can anticipate because anxiety is about anticipating something that's about to happen. Um, And, you, you know, it's hard to let go of that. Then that, shocks your nervous system. Maybe shock isn't the right word. It triggers that response. So your body is responding because it's a brain based response. And so we have to understand we have that vagus nerve it's in your body and it goes down to your stomach and it kind of has all of these little, um, uh, like it stems out into your body and that's why you shake. That's why you sweat. Um, that's why your body again, responds. So the best thing you can do, Christy is understand what the trigger is and notice it have that awareness before it even gets there so that you have a plan to deal with it. Now, here's what can happen. Um, I know, and I believe, but I also know we need to do more research around this, but parenting is sometimes traumatic in itself um, and it can easily, and it does, it pulls up traumatic memories from childhood that you never dealt with that's triggered then by some of your children. And so what I always suggest is look, Because there are traumas, trauma does not forget. Trauma does not forget. Your body does not forget. It doesn't understand the concept of time. So you could be 40 years old and something happened before or it keeps happening with your kid and it really brings up trauma. Imagine kids with mental health, like really serious mental health. Imagine the parent's perspective and experience there. That's tough. A lot of us have experienced that. And so I always say, listen, you need to go get therapy and not just um, like, Not just talk therapy, you get trauma specific therapy to process that EMDR really is great. I went through it myself. It really helped me because what it does is it gives you clarity and then you get to manage yourself and set those boundaries a lot easier when you can kind of tame some of those responses. Then you can have that clarity to do that and then follow through. And then the other piece to that is the support system. You have to have good, healthy messages from people around you uh, to support that. Otherwise we just, it's again, in our brain stress is like, it's an, cortisol like overload your brain um, too much, right? If, if it sits with you for too long and you never let that cortisol kind of recede or or it keeps coming up, wow, stress in itself is okay. It's actually very motivating, but if you have too much of it um, and then it releases, a you know, when you're stressed, you release adrenaline and stuff too. So there's a lot of body processes that if you don't properly deal with them, it really can affect your health and wellness. And we know that guy, by the way, we know that guys, we know, because that's why we're exhausted, burned out from our jobs, burned out from parenting. That's why we say, okay, it's a cereal dinner. Cause I just can't tonight. Right. There's again, it's so much.
0: I'm so glad you have cereal dinners too.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And they're like cinnamon toast crunch sometimes, man. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I love that. Yes. Our adrenal systems are absolutely completely fatigued. I've been reading um, medical medium and I'm going through um, kind of reading about that. And it's really interesting to read about all of that and how we're being affected by all these different things, you know, and, and all the different, you know, chemicals that we have and technology and all of these great things. So um. I would love gosh we have so much within this episode so packed up I, f- I feel like I could we could talk forever and I could keep asking you more questions but I also know that we are um, kind of we've talked a lot <laughs> so I would love to know Charlie if somebody wants to come and work with you I know you've got some programs do you also work with one-on-one with anybody or what are the ways in which people can come and work with you?
1: I've been doing a lot of group work because in a group programming, because I just can reach so many more parents and educators, because again, there's an educator piece to this too, but with parents, um, yeah, you know, the best thing they could do right now is connect with me. I mean, the most important thing you could do is connect with someone who gets it and who's, going to at least give you a little reassurance that, you know what, you got this. There's hope. There's always hope. They can go to my website and go to humanitiespeaker.com and just sign up. It's totally free. You get a free resource. There's some steps to help reduce some conflict right there. Um, but also can stay connected with me. And then I do have a course launch coming out. That course is coming out. And then there, there'll be a, a bonus of the team brain, learning about that in more depth. And again, when we know, we understand, we can be a lot more forgiving and supportive. So that's the best way. Just go to my website, humanityspeaker.com or you know, I'm all over social media and just connect with me, DM me. I'll do my absolute best to get back to you right away but I always get back to people personally.
0: Awesome. Everything is going to be linked up in show notes. So you can scroll down and correct, co- correct connect right away with Charlie. We've been talking about behavior correction and all of that. That was on my mind. <laughs> You'll be able to connect directly with Charlie. Do come and let us know uh, both of us, what your takeaways were from this episode what things you're struggling with. Um, that gives us a really great place to start creating content for you. If you let us know what you're struggling with too. And um And I think that it's great that you offer all of those different free resources. So definitely go over to her website, sign up and uh, use those different resources. Um, So we've known where to find you. We're going to have all your links in show notes. And as we kind of close out, is there any kind of last message that you have for anybody that's listening or any final uh, maybe tips or or anything like that that you have for us?
1: Yeah, so people who are listening now who don't have a lot of hope for the future and you're experiencing a lot of conflict in your home and you're kind of feeling low and you kind of feel exhausted and you feel like you don't have a lot of power left. You do. There's hope. You just have to connect with people. You have to, because you have to have hope and this is your life too. You know, we don't just live for our children. And if we did that, we wouldn't have much purpose either, right? So I want you to know that we love our kids. We do. We love them so much. And they're going to be really, uh, they're going to test us a lot and test our emotions. So get right with yourself, whether you know, you're know you spiritual, re- religious, um, whether you just need to reach out to other people. So you're not doing this alone. Don't do this alone. Don't, don't parent in I- isolation. I want you to know there is hope. And you can absolutely take your power back and have peace in your home again. And your child will still love you.
0: Beautiful message. I love that. Don't do this alone. I caught myself trying to do that too many times. And it's it's not, we're not designed to do it that way, you know. We're not designed to do it that way. Um, So yes, definitely reach out if you're struggling in your parenting journey. That was a big thing for me to learn as well. There's people who have been through this who can help. There's resources out there even when things feel so hopeless, like nothing that you're doing is working, like you don't know where else to turn. Um, Definitely reach out. So Charlie, thank you for giving your time, for being here with us today, for sharing so much information with us. I feel like um, this episode is jam-packed. Full of great tips for parents, lots of information that we can use to uh, just kind of learn more about that process of what's going on with our teens, how we can better connect with them. So again, thank you for being here today. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you. I'm grateful.
0: Thank you for listening to the self project podcast. Make sure that you scroll down and you check out the show notes so you can connect with our awesome guests from today. And also come over and follow me on Instagram at underscore Christy Martin to see more of what I've got going on. Make sure that you have subscribed to the show so that you can get regular updates and I will see you next time.